0: Blip.
1: Hi, record button.
0: Hi, record button. How you doing?
1: What's after breakfast?
0: What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. Oh! no!
1: She's got her Whataburger with a swine. I told
0: them I was going to get interrupted with angry Whataburger because I was a bitch when I woke up from my nap.
2: There is actually a whole lot
0: of- you, I just decided I didn't know if you wanted that or just coach, so you just have I'll have it later thank you <laughs> sorry I was a bitch okay
2: <laughs> I love waking up and being a bitch I don't mean <sighs> to but when it happens it's like where did this come from this is insane yeah. and also yeah. funny and I'm sorry
0: <laughs> no this one wasn't funny I told Whitney I had the angriest nap like my body just shut down out of pure spite At five o'clock. And when I woke up, it was like, yeah, all I had processed was um, all the good feelings and all the bad feelings were left in my brain. I don't know why. Some naps are bad.
2: Yeah. Sometimes your brain's like, even though I'm mostly shut down and it's just me here, I'm not Mm -hmm. fucking with that shit either. (laughs) I don't want to go there.
1: You think this is going to be restful? Because it's not.
0: Yeah. What do you want? A nightmare? I don't know. I'm too busy for nightmares. I'm yeah. pissed off. I mean, you can deal with this when we wake up, bitch. That's it's, what my dream was saying.
2: <laughs> it's October. Do you know how many nightmares I've been going <laughs> around the world giving young children? I don't have time for your nightmare. I hope oh, a lot.
0: I like the idea of a busy nightmare fairy. That's really cool.
2: <clears throat> <clears throat> Whitney, can I ask you a question? Yes. So uh, yesterday... Yes, when we were going uh, to record, mm-hmm. and then um, you said, "I thought I don't have anything tonight." That's mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have stuff every night in quarantine? Well, yeah.
1: It's. I feel like either it's like, oh, I need to do research, or oh, I uh, we we have a live stream, or I should be tweeting about something for work, like. Okay, A lot of stuff is just social media related for work that I need to kind of just remember and keep in my brain. Mm -hmm. That or John has something going on or there's always like some little thing, you know, and I like sat down – at five-ish, and I was like, I'm going to play Animal Crossing, and then I did that, and then I was like, I'm going to make fish tacos, and did that, and then I finally, like, brought all of our food in and looked at my phone, and I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> and I think it was 737, and I was like, god damn it, I feel like such an idiot,
0: I mean. Um, I really hope you literally announce things in that voice to yourself before you
2: do of them. <laughs> I'm gonna play Audible Crossing. I'm gonna Have go you, to the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Have you made your island real spooky yet? Yes. I've been building <laughs> growing pumpkins as much as I can, nope. making pumpkins for everybody's house, spooky lanterns, fucking all of this shit. I love Hell it. Hell yeah.
2: Hell yeah it's been um just a delight for me
1: did you uh today the he's what's the guy who kind of sells weird clothes is on the island and he has like bat wings type things that you can buy to wear around like a backpack anyways
2: oh shit so go buy them right now yeah <laughs> y'all
1: record this one without me okay bye song. i got some bat wings to buy God. All right. Well, welcome to Weird Brunch. That's <laughs> yeah a bunch of shit that nobody wants to fucking hear. Oh, <laughs> we'll I'm, be I'm starting it
0: right here. Okay, yeah, no. good. <laughs> much
1: better, much better. I'm okay with that. Wait, hold
2: on. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry, I haven't been high on one of these in a while. Uh, it's gonna be a ride. Hm. Can we just address that it is 2020? We are living in the future, and a bunch of people just plotted to kidnap a government official. Ugh. Like, can we? Yeah. Like, this yeah. isn't 1930. Whatever. Get what in the fuck?
1: And the feds were in on it, right?
0: They no, the feds it. did their job. Which they is did their good. job. Thank that God. was. A- fucking it's sad how much of a relief that was that the FBI did its job but they did they did all the right things they caught them they stopped them they threw them in jail
2: but I think in like five years we're gonna find out they were in on it wow oh,
0: come on that's the CIA mm-hmm. the FBI's never had its shit together like that that's true That's not, not since prohibition right
2: the FBI is the state troopers of
0: yeah exactly <laughs>
2: Woo, woo! do y'all want y'all want to talk about um a woman from ireland
1: yes
0: yes
1: please do
2: is she,
0: is she weird um
2: <laughs> i mean yeah also really well known this is uh just something that i was like how the fuck have we not uh and if we have fuck me and let <laughs> me know
0: yeah, we're at that point where I'm pretty sure mine has been covered, but it hasn't according to my search. So
2: I have a Google Doc that's like S- weird brunch stories, and it's just empty. I yeah. keep I keep <laughs> wanting to, and
1: it's just not going to happen. Well, let's hire an intern, and uh, we'll get them to do all that data entry. Anyways, continue.
0: Kids, send your applications to weirdbrunch at gmail dot com.
1: An Irish
2: lady. Named Mary Mallon. Mm. So Mary was a cook for rich families in New York City in the early 20th century. I know this bitch. Mm-hmm. She came over uh, from Ireland as a teenager in like 1884. Everybody knows this bitch. And she lived with her aunt and uncle for a while. And then she became a cook. And that's when she was like going around to these rich families Um, And between 1900 and 1907, she cooked for eight different families. Uh, In seven out of eight of those families, people got real sick or they died. 1906, Mary goes with the family she's working with, some rich banker dude named Charles Henry Warren. Why? Nope. Don't. What? Why are bankers rich?
0: Because you give them all your money.
2: But they don't take it.
0: They sure do. They take a small percentage of it.
2: The individuals? hmm Yep. Well, fine. I don't know. They
0: take works. your money and they invest it, and then whatever they make on the investments, they keep.
1: Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, anyway. <laughs>
2: Okay, so she goes with this banker who is stealing your money to a summer home that they rented uh, on Oyster Bay in Long Island. So Airbnb has been around for a very long time. (laughs) Hmm. From August 27th to September 3rd, six of the 11 people in the family came down with typhoid fever. In typical landlord fashion, uh, the landlord of that rental house was. Uh, like, Karina's
1: getting it now too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> in typical landlord fashion, the landlord was like, "Fuck! People are gonna call this the typhoid house or some shit." So they call some <laughs> experts in. They get George Soper. Soper. I'm gonna go Soper. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a civil engineer, but he was pretty much uh, the expert in sanitation because it's the early 20th century. No one knows what a bath is, much less Clorox. Mm -hmm. So he looks at what's happened and he's immediately like, what's that cook up to? because she was the one that she had gotten there three weeks before the first person got ill. So it was also like she was new in this environment. He goes through the folks that had employed her in their summer homes, the previous uh, years, seven years uh, and finds 22 infected people within those families. Just a side note. (laughs) uh mary made peach ice cream on sundays that was like her fucking thing and so sober's like this bitch because he's like making ice cream is that's like just the easiest way to have everyone's germs like all up in your or your germs all up in everybody's peaches um so typhoid fever for those who don't know is a bacterial infection typically spread through food and water, contaminated by salmonella. Patients fall ill with high fever, diarrhea, and before antibiotics were developed to treat it, sometimes delirium and death. Even now, an estimated 11 to 20 million people get sick each year, and between 128,000 and 161,000 people die from typhoid fever still
1: mm-hmm. that's wild
2: mm-hmm. it's overpopulated shit water you know places overpopulated shit water
0: yeah are you yeah. talk don't talk about michigan like that sorry flint
2: Four months after he started the investigation, Soper finds uh, Mary Mallon working in a Park Avenue brownstone. She's 37 years old at this point. uh, And he was like, she was kind of (laughs) hot for a 37-year-old in 1909 when Soper's like, Look, this is what's up. I'm gonna need some pee and some feces samples. Uh, She runs after him with a carving fork, (laughs) and it's like (sighs) the fuck. Stay away from my shit, literally. Yeah, you
1: can't have any of this piss.
2: (laughs) This piss belongs to me. Mm -hmm. So, enter Dr. Josephine Baker. She's an up-and-coming advocate of hygiene and public health. Wash yo ass. She's <laughs> got to try. So now they're like, all right, you're a lady. You go try to get this other lady. And so she goes in and she's like, hey, what what's up with those samples? And she's also chased away. Baker, and this is just kind of a cool thing. Um, Baker, her father had died of typhoid. And so she had made it her mission to promote preventative medicine, so getting ahead of that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And because, uh, oh, she was the first woman to earn a doctorate in public health.
1: Hmm. I wow. know yeah. the name, Josephine Baker, right? hmm That name sounds right. very familiar. Well,
0: that's a very famous jazz singer.
1: Oh, <laughs> I probably know.
0: Who has the that same man. name. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: T- this is S, Josephine Baker. I'm mm-hmm. just not into Initials, man. Uh, My dad's Sorry, name C- is just an initial.
0: <laughs> Sorry, CJ.
2: Is it J? No, it's T. And that's like his legal God-given birth name is just G? the letter T. No. Mm-hmm. Wow. How
1: did I not know that? Man.
2: It's, yeah, it's something I forget because he's always it's just been called like Thomas or Tom or, you know, they just threw a name out there.
0: Oh that's So he
1: stuff. has a a single initial name, mm-hmm. but people s- call him Tom.
2: Yeah, that's just what they land. Wow, on.
1: I love it. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it's so backwards. I love it.
2: It's it's so it, it freaks me out when I think about it. So Baker, uh, she goes back and she brings five cops with her, and so they all scoop up Mary get rid of any of the carving knives or whatever Uh, and then they take her to a hospital um, where even though she was this close to escaping um, she did test positive imagine getting to a hospital and having a very close to successful escape attempt before you can take whatever test that you just got brought there for (sighs) So, she tests positive as a carrier for salmonella typhi, which is a bacteria that causes typhoid. And it would later be confirmed by more tests. So, this is, you know, hey, it's not just this person that told me, but eight others. She was quarantined in a small house on the grounds of Riverside Hospital on North
1: Brother Island. Sorry. We've talked about North Brother Island. I know, it's just so funny. Isn't that that's like the dead body like it's yeah, that's where you go. That's right.
0: Sorry. Yes. <laughs> um I just we think love it, our weird islands. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: We do. I just think mm-hmm. it, of it as Shutter Island. And now I do wonder
1: if if that's no. based on it. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, North Brother is actually an uninhabited bird sanctuary these days which I think we have talked about feeding off the corpses. Mm -hmm. They're the strongest birds in the late 19th century. uh, The brother Island house, (laughs) big brother's house. I'm sorry. In the late 19th century, it was built to house the victims of smallpox. So that's, it's always kind of been like a, Oh, you're going to get people sick. Go hang out on this Island. And there was just no other way of containing that kind of shit. Uh Mary Mallon in that regard was held in solitary confinement and she did not have any symptoms. So she was like, I can't be spreading this. I'm fine. And it's likely that because they were just kind of discovering these things, it was likely that she didn't ever know what being a carrier meant. And so the only cure, they were like, Hey, we can remove your gallbladder. We think that helps. And she was like, the fuck you are, get away from me. Then Soper goes and he shares his findings at a physician's conference. Imagine those hookups and she was dubbed Typhoid Mary by the New York American in 1909. And the name stuck and she is not fucking happy because uh, they have depicted her as a heartless serial poisoner, flipping flapjacks full of germs.
1: Mm.
2: And then it, like it didn't fucking matter that a thousand New Yorkers were getting typhoid every year, but it was mostly, you know, poor folks with shit water and overcrowded shit conditions. Mary over here is killing the 1%, so they're like, that bitch. (sighs) So she writes a letter to her lawyer in 1909, uh, June, and she says, I've been in fact a peep show for everybody, even the I know. Even the interns had to come to see me and ask about the facts already known to the whole wide world. The tuberculosis men would say, There she is, the kidnapped woman. She wrote, Dr. Park has had me illustrated in Chicago. I wonder how the said Dr. William H. Park would be, would like to be insulted and put in the journal and called. And call him or his wife typhoid William Park. Get him. Mm-hmm. in 1909. She sues the New York City Department of Health. The case is brought to the Supreme Court, and at first, you know, she what she's kind of getting here is the debate over individual autonomy and the state's responsibility in a public health crisis. So. Mm. What everyone mm-hmm. is fighting right now.
0: Never heard of it.
2: Mm-hmm. In the court of law, her her lawyer argued that she had been imprisoned without due process, and she's initially told to go fuck herself and it's like <laughs> back in jail. And then they're like, "It's our duty to you. Got to go." But then she's freed earlier the following year because the city has a new health commissioner and he's like, look, you can you can come out. You just you can't be cooking. You can't be cooking, ma'am. And so at first she's like, all right, she goes and like does laundry and she's like, I'm not making any money. This is trash. I hate this. So then. Oops. She starts hitting up those kitchens again. Yeah. She prepares meals for like hotels, Broadway restaurants, spa, uh, a boarding house. And then in 1915, a typhoid outbreak. This is sad. Sickened 25 people at Sloan Maternity Hospital. Return of George Soper. He's like, let's see who the cook is at this hospital. Mrs. Brown pulls off the mask it was mary (laughs) allen the whole time
0: oh man
2: uh she's blamed for two dozen more cases and two deaths the new york times has another headline that is fucked up typhoid mary has reappeared human culture tube her self-immune spreads the disease wherever she goes
0: well, I they're not you. wrong. It's accurate. Culture tube. Mm. Yeah, that that part's a little harsh, but still, the rest is fairly accurate. Yeah, super spreader girl. Yeah, Just put your mask uh, on.
2: And a human culture tube.
0: Put your mask on. Don't work at Waterburger.
2: She is then sent back to North Brother Island permanently. She's grounded mm. now she mm-hmm. spent her days reading and was and she would work in the laboratory preparing medical tests that's pretty cool oh
1: do you think they cynical. were just like well she's probably not a or she's immune to everything so like let's just give her a leprosy test let's give her yeah. all these other <laughs> tests like let's fucking test it out on typhoid mary let's load it the fuck up
2: mm-hmm. and she's like yeah. what nothing fuck Get it out of here uh, she died at the island uh, of a stroke in 1938, and she had been in quarantine for 25 years. Oh man, she oh, never man. she never admitted to being a carrier of typhoid, and without the education to understand it, she actually never believed it. Uh, nine people attended her funeral at St. Luke's in the Bronx. Uh, During the course of two outbreaks, at least 51 people caught typhoid through Mary and three died. The number of cases was probably much higher. Oh, at the time of Mary's death, there were more than 400 healthy carriers of typhoid who had been identified by New York officials, and none of them had been forced into confinement. Mm -hmm. So 25 years after she was forced into confinement, after that, they were like, oh, you're fine, but you're a carrier. You can chill. The legacy of typhoid Mary as an asymptomatic vessel for disease led to the theory of super spreaders.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, don't go to the White House. (laughs) Will not do. Thank you.
0: Try not to win a championship. Yeah. In a sport.
2: That's true. I had to go to meet Governor Rick Perry once because I won a a the state theater thing.
0: Oh wow! Congratulations, Congratulations he
2: was. Mm-hmm. I mean, high school was only like ten years ago for me, but
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. You were you were slow, huh? <laughs> 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 Fuck,
1: <laughs> got me.
0: So here's here's another uh, tidbit from the past. That is relevant now, sadly. Let's talk about what happened with Larry McDonald. Larry P. McDonald, to keep the whole initials thing going. He was elected to Congress in Georgia in 1974. So just for context, 1974 was right after Watergate broke and that whole thing you know the impeachment but nixon resigned because who would want to be sitting in office after you were impeached how embarrassing so what (laughs) happened after that next election was 75 seats flipped to the democratic party and they were called the watergate babies and it was the most liberal group of incoming people uh or the largest uh, incoming group of liberal politicians since the new deal but one of those democrats was from Northern Georgia, which if you weren't aware, Northern Georgia is the worst in terms of like crazy kooky. That's where what's her face. The QAnon representative is going to be elected. Not the exact same district because they've had to redraw it several times to keep it nice and gerrymandered. Mm -hmm. But the same part of Georgia that elects her is where Larry McDonald came from. Now he was a Democrat because pre Carter Georgia was going to vote for Democrats no matter what. So what you'd get is you'd get two Democrats fighting off in a primary, one liberal, one conservative. Larry McDonald was so conservative. He was so conservative. Like even conservatives were like, shut the fuck up in 1974 when he showed up. He was a big proponent of the John Birch society, which came about in the 1950s during McCarthy era to basically find all the communists and blame them for everything. All the communists in America are ruining everything. They were like Antifa, but for communists and in power and serious about it. So the John Birch society went from being the animating kind of like tea party style political thing behind McCarthyism to being a complete joke when Joseph McCarthy was discredited, and the John Birch Society started calling Dwight Eisenhower a "dirty pinko liberal commie," and everybody was like, "Actually, that bald general is not that." So they kind of <laughs> lost, <laughs> they kind of <laughs> lost their cred, but they did kind of limper on because being anti-communist has always been super popular in America. So they were sort of like. A cross between the Tea Party and Alex Jones, right? Because there were always kind of conspiracy theories about what communists were up to. um, But they had, like, actual representation from time to time in Congress. Larry McDonald being the only one in the 70s who still believed John Bircher stuff. So not only did he believe it, he decided to dedicate his entire time in office to fighting communism He didn't go to the Capitol. He didn't vote on bills. He didn't propose bills. All he did was, I'm going to fight communism. And because it's the House of Representatives, nobody gave a shit.
2: (laughs) That's fair, though.
0: They're like, that's what you want to do with your time, buddy. That's fine. So he, by the way, uh, his background uh, is he was a urologist. So there you go. Like, wait, a herbologist? (laughs) Like with no, a-, a urologist,
1: urologist like, like
0: PP. A, oh, a PP doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. His best friends in Congress were Jesse Helms, Jerry Falwell, Lee mm-hmm. Atwater, and drumroll, please, Ron Paul. Hey. So hey. he got together with all the other super conservative. The religious right people and the other kooky doctor in Congress, and they That's made a little a crayon club.
2: box full of white crayons. <laughs>
1: Isn't sure. all the government? Yeah,
0: bunch of white crayons trying to find a red paper to write on. So. <clears throat> He was also one of the very first super super duper pro life people in Congress. Um this was pre-Roe v. Wade. So like he anticipated that whole fight too. And that made him popular in northern Georgia. Uh he called Martin Luther King Jr. wedded to violence, and he opposed a federal holiday in King's name. King, by the way, if you uh he was dead. He was murdered, so like pretty he, I don't know why he's still fighting MLK. MLK got killed pretty good. Um, anyway, uh, he kept a framed portrait of Francisco Franco, the Spanish dictator in his office, because he thought Franco had the right idea.
2: Wait. Yeah. That...
0: But just like another politician we know, he loved dictators. He opposed school lunches and actually all funding of all education. He said that there should be no gun laws. uh, He said that all illegal aliens should be deported. Uh, He said that America needed to obey its Christian heritage and that the welfare state is a road to totalitarianism and communism. One of his Republican challengers in the election called him a fascist. Mm. That's how far right he was. And all of that unfortunately sounds like, well, okay, I see his platform. That's a normal platform. In 1974, this cra- this shit was cray cray. This he was way out there. Now we have a whole party for this stuff. If but anyway. Only. Yeah, right? Uh so he gets in there and he decides instead of going to vote and propose bills and do his job, he was going to take his two offices that you get in the House of Representatives. And you have one office that leads to the hallway and a second office that's kind of behind it. What most people do is they put like, you know, their secretary and stuff in the front office and they put themselves in the second one so that your secretary can keep people from getting in. He put himself in the hallway office and in the kind of hidden away office, he put his very own intelligence agency mm-hmm. that he called Western Goals.
1: Yes. Okay boys. Yeah. West. And girl.
0: So he just flat out hired a bunch of ex- cops and ex-Fbi people uh, to start gathering intelligence on Americans who were suspected of being communists. Mm-hmm. and gathering it all up and putting it into newfangled Department of Defense connected computers. This was in the so 70s. That, this is in the mid 70s to this- the early 80s.
2: Is the red scare still?
0: No, red scare was totally done. This is not fashionable.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The 50s. Marilyn
1: Monroe time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 50s red scare. 80s red scare. In between these two red scares. One. Larry McDonald. (laughs) One dude. uh, Putting together a database of suspected communist activities all by himself with private funding Mm -hmm in his office out of Congress. Uh, He also, um, let's talk about how he made some of his money. Uh, You know, he was a urologist and whatever. Only fans. (laughs) He practiced alternative medicine before that was a cool thing. Um, He used latrile, which is an extract derived from apricot and peach pits, uh, as a um, medicine for cancer. So, what he'd do is he'd get the peach pit juice and he'd inject it in you and say, How's your cancer? And people are like, Great, great. And then they'd die, right? And so he got a lot of like malpractice suits and stuff like that. But for some reason, he kept slipping away from it. Um, And uh, he was doing pretty well, but then like he quit being an active doctor just before getting his license taken away to go run for Congress. So, that's a little coincidence. But what he did while he was doing all those late trial injections was he was using his practice to launder money. So patients would come in for their injections of peach bit juice and he'd hand them all the paperwork that they have to sign. And in those papers with the paperwork, some of them uh, had nothing to do with the injections they were getting. They were titles to gun ownership. So he had all these guns registered under his own patient's names, which he could then like illegally stockpile. He had like hundreds and hundreds of firearms in his own house. And then like the ones that were owned by other people, he could, you know, sell. Um, he never got nailed on the gun running scandal, but uh, the, B- the Bureau of Alco- Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms did launch an investigation into whether or not he was doing this. They couldn't prove it, but it was pretty sure that he was doing that. And in the process of doing that uh, who has became, the
1: time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> became very well-versed in how to run guns, which will come into play in a little bit. So back to Western Goals. He has a couple of very wealthy Koch Brothers-style backers who are paying for all this intelligence gathering, and they are putting into these databases that are floating out into anybody who's got some DOD clearance, including local police departments, right? Um, and they were putting out reports. So none of this was, it sounds like, oh, he's secretly doing this. Uh, no, they're putting out magazines called the Western Goals Report. Here's who's communist in America. We're run out of Larry P. McDonald's office. Like and uh, it if he was. Yeah. If he was a congressman, right? Yeah, if he was a congressman, the only problem was the people who were doing all this intelligence gathering were not fucking professionals. They were just kooks who wanted to see communism and had found a way to like lodge, you know, complaints that could actually, you know, get acted on. Uh, so he's naming names of who he thinks is a communist, just like McCarthy. But in order to avoid the libel that took McCarthy down. What he did was that Western Goals would come up with their little report of who's a communist. McDonald would go onto the floor of Congress, stand up during some bill debate, read the report out loud. That would get it typed into the congressional record. By law, anything in the congressional record is immune from libel huh. because... It is just a factual record of what has been said. So you can't have it stricken from the record or retracted because it's like legally you have to say what went on in Congress. Then once it's in the congressional record, Western Goals would put out its report quoting the congressional record so that there was no way to get sued for libel. And that's how they were like basically laundering shitty intelligence without getting sued for it.
1: That's wild. Brilliant. An an asshole move, but
2: smart. That's honestly the smartest thing that you've said this guy's done (laughs) so far.
0: He actually was a really intelligent guy uh, in in a devious way, right? Especially about me. Who in California? Uh, so people who ended up trying to, the ACLU tried to follow, file a suit against Western goals, obviously, and they ran into this little wall. Uh, people who were accused of being communists in the congressional record were Joan Baez, Jackson Brown, Richard Dreyfus, Norman Lear, Bonnie Raitt, Susan Sarandon, and Studs Turkle, amongst others. Those are just the ones who sued. So once again, going after Hollywood and all that stuff.
1: All the cool people.
0: So all of this is just Infowars.com with a congressional approval, right? Mm-hmm. But people were taking it seriously. So some of the board members of Western Goals who are jumping onto this were Roy Cohn, who was Joseph McCarthy's former right-hand man, and a man named Edward—oh, uh, sorry, Roy Cohn not only was McCarthy's former right-hand man, he also happens to be the mentor uh, Donald Trump He was the one Who like showed him the ropes Of getting through politics As a real estate mogul Is this guy still alive? No he's totally dead Good. Uh, this is like who was Helping Trump figure out how to be A professional political asshole in the early 80s uh, Edward Teller The father of the hydrogen bomb John Singlob One of the founding members of the CIA and uh, a disgraced army major general who was implicated in the Iran Contra affair. Don't worry, that's coming. <sighs> One of the former chairmen of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, two four-star Marine Corps generals, three other serving congressmen, and Roger Milliken, who was a Koch brother before the Koch brothers were a thing. So these is this is who's funding it. So talk about this
2: is like super villains.
0: This yeah. is talk about deep state shit, right? By the early 1980s, this whole thing had been rolling along enough that it had started to be like a think tank kind of thing that people actually believed. In 1982, a Western Goals report was cited um, in an article word for word in Reader's Digest. So Reader's Digest wrote this article about Soviet infiltration of America in the nuclear freeze movement. That Reader's Digest article was cited on TV, national TV, as proof of a communist plot by Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Ronald Reagan's getting up there reading Western goals bullshit as proof that the communists are trying to take over America. The West Wing had to go into damage control. At that time, Reagan had, unlike Trump, had shame. So like he got shamed out of, he had to retract it and all that. He didn't know that the source was bad or whatever. But he claimed that he got it from State Department information because he thought Western Goals was an official intelligence organization in the federal government. Pretty much everybody did; they sure acted like it, right? <sighs> so, from
1: within, technically, yeah, shits
0: getting real. But in early the early 1980s, that particular incident was kind of the beginning of the end because people started to realize, holy shit, wait, what is this Western Goals thing? That's not a thing. That's not real. That's just wild accusations that are getting made and people are starting to actually believe them. Oh, okay, maybe we should not have that. <laughs> that <would be> nice. <laughs> so the way it blew up, this, is, this just story has everything, is that the Los Angeles Police Department got involved. Hmm. So the, LA, the LAPD has its own intelligence gathering arm which is terrifying and a veteran officer from the LAPD named Jay Paul was illegally storing 180 boxes about 500,000 pages of directly downloaded western goals research into who's communist in LA now there's a city law in 1975 that said if somebody's not actively under investigation for a crime they have been arrested for or are about to be indicted for you cannot keep records on them you can't like gather intelligence and hold it in the city of los angeles that's the fbi's job right
1: no p he did it anyway
0: yeah. i mean like yeah if it's not an active investigation don't keep shit on people just hoping they fuck up right Is that's that
2: still a thing I it was
0: like a law in 1975 not it's not anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah i was about guess to what say. guess what happened 9-11 so now we can do that again anyway okay. hmm Anyway, so 1975 law at the time said he couldn't do that; it was illegal. They got sued and lost. Um, and it was like a real detailed case, but like he was totally hiding this stuff because he knew it was wrong. He was hiding it in like his garage. Uh, he got Western Goals to pay his wife thirty thousand dollars a year as a maintenance fee for her trouble of having the garage taken up by all these boxes of fake communism stuff. Oh, like, no, so not Western my Western Goals is directly not only providing the shitty information, but the financial cover to bribe it, to keep it hidden. So, like, full-on knowledgeable that they're doing evil shit, right? Uh, It just... There's a lot of other LAPD officers that got implicated. And at this point, people are like, okay, Western Goals is going beyond just kind of being a fake intelligence agency trying to make political points and now being an active, like shadowy, deep state government thing that's infiltrating the cops. <laughs> um, yeah. But Western Goals is like, hey, eh, nothing's going wrong. We're just doing our job as citizens to keep America safe from communism. Keep America because, safe again. Because mark my words, the communists are here and they are trying to kill us.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're still trying to do it. Let's start it again. Are.
0: The communists are everywhere and they're they a murderous threat and we have to stop them. And everybody's like, uh, shut up, Larry P. McDonald. And he's like, no, seriously, if we don't stop the communists, the American way of life is going to be over and people are going to die. So on August 30th, 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 007 leaves New York going to Seoul, Korea. It didn't make it because early in the morning on September 1st, while cruising at 30,000 feet, South Korean air controllers lost contact when the plane went over Sakhalin Island, which is an eastern island of the Soviet Union. Uh, At first, it seemed like the plane had just strayed into Soviet airspace and that maybe the Soviet military had forced it to land because, like, you can't do that, Cold War and all that. But in reality, the Soviets had sent a bunch of, scrambled a bunch of fighter jets to tail it and then blew it to fucking pieces. Oh, shit. Uh, All 269 men and women aboard the flight were killed by the Soviet Union, including Congressman Larry P. McDonald who was on his way to a Heritage Foundation-sponsored National Defense Conference.
2: That was the best buried lead I have ever <laughs> experienced. Holy shit. Yep.
0: So the communists literally murder Larry McDonald and 268 oh. other people by shooting his fucking airplane down.
2: That's martyr status now.
0: This to say the least, caused a geopolitical crisis. I, it's, it's weird because I lived through this, but I don't remember it. It was a huge fucking deal, apparently, in 1983, a nationally televised address from Reagan. It's called it a crime against humanity. Uh, and he introduced a UN Security Council resolution to condemn the attack. The Soviets vetoed that. The ambassador to the UN said the plane was on a pre-planned spying mission. Cold War starting to heat up close to Cuban Missile Crisis here because the Soviets had just assassinated a US congressman. Even if he's the craziest one, they did it. Everybody's shocked. The CIA is like, what? No, they weren't. What? Like, nobody saw this coming. So it turns out, a couple things here. First of all, his widow still thinks the Soviets shot him down because he was on to something and he was about to take them down <laughs> to her dying day. She believed it. However, the Soviets did their own internal investigation because they were like, oh, shit. Oh, God. No, fuck. No, we shouldn't have done that. And it turns out the... A pair of things happened. First, the radio equipment on the airplane failed, so they couldn't radio into the tower and they couldn't respond to the Soviet fighter jets call for like, yo, who are you and why are you over our island? And second, they did think it was a spy plane because it was an older model of aircraft, and so they genuinely thought that the U.S. was attacking Russia, and that's why they shot it down. They had no idea it was a passenger fl- plane. It was a huge just fuck up on their part. So the radio went down, and the Soviets fucked up. No intention of killing Larry McDonald. In fact, he was only on that flight because he missed his schedule one, which left, was supposed to leave six hours earlier. So he wasn't even supposed to be on that flight.
1: Well, his wife is a dum dumb then.
0: Well, uh, yeah, 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 she is. But um, anyway mcdonald's funeral was attended by thousands and it was the first time it was the coming out party for the american right jerry falwell jesse helms christian rights organizations in downtown atlanta people burning soviet flags uh talking about how larry mcdonald fought against anti-communism he fought against abortion he fought against all this it was like the big of the far right as we know it today and uh they had a lot of credence because here were the Soviets shooting him down, right?
2: Russia keeps fucking us. Mm.
0: They couldn't have done a better long-term job. So So now you've got an empty Congress seat, right? In North Georgia, who's going to run to fill it. So the, uh, people who are backing Larry McDonald say, yo, Kathy McDonald wife, why don't you widow get in and get that seat? She's like, all right, I'll uh, I'll do it. I'll run. So she runs. But she was the face of an obscenity charge in Gwinnett County, Georgia, against Larry Flint. Larry oh, no. Flint. The publisher of Hustler Magazine had faced down Kathy McDonald and Larry McDonald, and he blamed them for that entire thing. Uh, He, you know, was brought out of, remember Larry Flint, like, you know, this lawsuit in Gwinnett County, like, was his last stand. He, like, made a big stink. It was him on one side, the McDonald's on the other This is where he was uh, the victim of an assassination attempt and made him wheelchair-bound for life. He saw Kathy McDonald running and was like, "Uh uh-uh, took out full-page ads in every newspaper, paid for anti-McDonald radio spots, funneled money into two different competitors in the primary and fucking squashed her. She got primary. (laughs) So Larry Flint saved the day (laughs)
2: against
0: letting the widow in there. His story has it all. Meanwhile... (laughs) Western Goals is still kind of limping on, even though it doesn't have its congressional sponsor anymore, and it had started fundraising for all sorts of anti-communist activity, including in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Larry is- McDonald had- start
2: the fire.
0: <laughs> Larry McDonald had set up a pretty efficient way of, you know. <clears throat> money laundering and running guns and uh you know there was all this money from western goals floating through it and singlob that cia guy i mentioned earlier had a cru- was a crucial intermediary between the national security council and the uh anti-communist nicaraguan contras
1: hmm. and
0: uh the actual general in charge of taking all the Western goals money and funneling it to the Contras was one Oliver North, and it exploded into public view in 1986. The Iran on Contra uh, scandal, if you don't know about that, that's an interesting one, but it basically was the end of Western goals. So it died. It was like, oh, we got basically busted for being an illegal deep state gun smuggling organization <laughs> or the military. I guess we can't get any funding anymore. So one of the big funders of it, John Reese founded something called the mom Melden Institute. The Melden Institute just happened to take over Western goals, townhome in Washington, DC and all their databases and all their activities. And it still chugs on today. In mm. fact, in the t- Uh, for during the 2000 Republican national convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania state police used Malden foundation reports to justify a warrant for a warehouse raid against protesters, uh, you know, Malden Institute had called communist funded. So they are still on that shit to this day. And recently have been, uh, taking in a lot more donations, uh, during I'm sure. the Trump administration, mm-hmm. given that Trump was right there from the very fucking start.
2: Do, have they switched Gross. over to socialism?
0: Nope. Just okay. communism. Still oh. communism. Always communism. Okay. So they're still running a lot of reports. The difference is now they're not as influential because they're doing, you know, amateur intelligence gathering on American citizens. And that's just not as interesting anymore. Since Homeland Security does it very well, Mm -hmm. so you can already officially get this information in a way you couldn't in 1975, and it's no longer as useful. Now that we've got everybody wiretapped and shit, I feel like I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. But I just (laughs) think it's a hilarious story of all the QAnon shit that people think is going on right now, actually happening in 1975. (laughs) fuck
2: do y'all think the cold war uh, wasn't always about nukes and that it's still going on and that they won
0: the Russians
2: yeah I watched uh, that documentary on HBO (laughs) which one the one about how they rigged the fucking election last year by turning yeah. all of us against each other. Mm. It's fucking insane. It's a very good documentary. But do I we
1: think would it I still it be was... considered the cold war now? I mean, nothing's happening.
0: I, yeah, I think it was always <laughs> about economic supremacy and who would have like the most trade and economic influence. And it's just kind of shifted from US, to Ru- U.S. and Russia to U.S. and China. And Russia's just like really pissed off about that and trying to stick its nose back in any way it can.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Putin works out so hard.
0: Mm-hmm. He's strong. He's strong man. Strong man mm-hmm. long time. Mm.
1: Oh, shit. Riding bears. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Ride bears. Big, strong dude.
1: I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. Well... My story also takes place in the past, which I guess technically every single story we tell does, but mine's more along (laughs) the lines of uh, Lisa's Tales from Old Ireland, but uh, this one is uh, American 99% 99% of it. So this is the tale of terrible Tommy O'Connor. So Tommy. Is
0: that his official name? Or is that just what the T stands for?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's what the T stands for. JK. Right. It's T right. period. Thomas O'Connor. <laughs> um. So Tommy O'Connor was born in Limerick. In 1880, uh, he moved with his family to Chicago when he was three years old. They immigrated over, and he was the son of Joseph and Elizabeth O'Connor. They settled in a very, very rough neighborhood in Chicago. Back then, it was known as Bloody Maxwell which sounds very exciting. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is so bloody Maxwell from the 1850s to the thirties, uh, was the roughest part of Chicago. They had like a dead man's corner where people were regularly murdered. That part of Chicago was also, you know, the main, uh, boiling pot or mixing pot of, uh, Anyone who was immigrating to the U.S. So it was full of Germans, Russians, Greek, Poles, Jews, like everybody and Irish people uh, came to that melting pot. And there was a lot and lot and lot of unrest. Um, the Tribune, Chicago Tribune. Revel, quote, reveling in the freedom which comes from inadequate police control inspired by the traditions of criminals that have gone before this district, living in many instances more like beasts than like human beings. Hundreds and thousands of boys and men followed day after day and year after year in the bloody ways of crime. So wow. this place was bad. I just imagine it like gangs in New York style.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um mm. it was known as a terror district, which is wild to even say. Terror district. Terror district. Jesus. Um, yeah, so this is where Tommy is growing up. He did have a few siblings. He had a brother, John, who seemed to be totally normal and became an electrician. His sister, Mary, also led a crime-free life. And he had another brother named David who became a broker. Um, he did have some, like, later in life issues because he had a very messy divorce and, um... His the whole city knew him as Darlin Dave because he had a fuck ton of affairs. But other than that, generally, the family was well behaved other than Tommy. Tommy starts running with street gangs in his teenage years, uh, but he didn't come to police attention until he was 21 because he murdered two people one who was a retired police officer and one who was a criminal associate. The police accused him of murdering them, but the court system was all fucked up and they were like, eh, we're just going to let you go. So Tommy gets let go after murdering two people. Uh His, he was overall like, generally regarded as a dumbass. Um, he was a (laughs) terrible criminal more in a sense that he was just an idiot. So he would betray people he worked with. He would kill associates. He had a really terrible, terrible temper. He supposedly cut off the thumb of a butcher who had overcharged his mother. Uh, he really gets the name terrible in 1921 when five police officers get come to his house or come to his sister's house to arrest him where he is for those initial two murder charges that he kind of squirmed his way out of uh, while the police are trying to arrest him. A guy named Patrick O'Neill, who was a detective, is knocking on the door. And Tommy is like, fuck y'all, motherfuckers. He bursts out of the front door with two guns ablazing. He's shooting all the police. The police are shooting at him. It's a pretty big gunfight. And Tommy is able to... uh break out through the back door and gets away. But in this gunfight, detective O'Neill is shot and fatally injured. Um, In his escape, he grabs a high, he hijacks a car and he's obviously on the run. Um, People are, are all this shit is happening. O'Neill, like I said, is taken to the hospital, dies in the hospital. Uh the judge who is talking to these policemen is like, y'all fucked this up. You shouldn't have had a gunfight in the first place. Uh who even knows if Tommy actually shot the police officer? Because it sounds like y'all were just shooting all of, everywhere like crazy. Uh mm-hmm. Detective O'Neill left behind a widow and three children and Tommy headed to St. Paul, Minnesota to escape in July of 1921. Tommy terrible. Tommy is being a fucking drunk asshole on a train and the police arrest him. And word gets back to Chicago that what's up y'all. We've got terrible Tommy here in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're right down the street Do you want to come and get him? Yeah, we're going to come and fucking get Tommy from y'all. St. Paul, Minnesota. We got a bunch of heavily armed police officers and we're bringing him back home. Uh, At the time of his arrest in Minnesota, terrible Tommy had four items in his possession. Rosary beads, a scapular, a St. Patrick's prayer card and a pistol. I had to look up what a scapular was because I thought it was like one of those knives, like a scalpel. Scalpel, It's not. Mm -hmm. It's like a religious memento that people can wear and priests do a lot. Anyways, uh, so he gets brought back to Chicago in September 1921 where they're like, we're going to sentence you to hang, motherfucker. No getting out of this one. Uh, The hanging is scheduled for December 15th. 1921, but four days before his execution, terrible Tommy escapes. A prison guard named David Strauss was walking past Tommy's cell. He heard or he heard Tommy call him over and he's like, oh, okay, whatever. He walks up, excuse me, walks up to the bars. Tommy's cellmate grabs the guard in a headlock. Tommy like from the bars Tommy grabs the cell keys unlocks the cell they fucking get the guard's gun they bound bind and gag him toss him in the cell they grab two other prisoner friends and run out of through the prison yard and scale a 20 foot wall where they get over Tommy hijacks wow. the car again he's a real fan of that big fan of that um <laughs> But it's super icy outside because it's winter. And he slides and crashes into a storefront. Supposedly, he was able to get out of the wreck and run down the street. And after that, nobody was able to find him. So the police launch a huge manhunt to try and find terrible Tommy. There's sightings Mm -hmm. in towns and cities across the States. He's seen allegedly in Texas. He's seen in LA. He's seen in Canada. People are like, you know what? I heard he went back to Ireland and he's now in the IRA and everyone thinks (laughs) that he is everywhere.
0: I heard he's a communist.
1: Um, yeah, I heard he's a communist. He's working for old Larry. In 1937, it suggested that Terrible Tommy had died from tuberculosis, which Terrible Tommy dies from tuberculosis. is a lot of alliteration. I love it. Um, <laughs> he had been affected by tuberculosis in his childhood. Another rumor claims that there is a gravestone that is in the Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Cook County, Illinois, that says his death was on January 31st, 1951. So nobody really knows what happened to Tommy. Did he die? Did he get away? Did he die at another time? Um, But the fun part is the gallows that they built for terrible Tommy's hanging remained in place until 1977. Wow. He was the last person in Chicago to be sentenced to death by hanging. And they fucking left those things up until the seventies. And in 1977, Ripley's, believe it or not, bought the gallows and they still have them. You can go see it. Uh, And I love that. And there was also a columnist at the Chicago Tribune named Tom Powers, who every year wrote an article about terrible Tommy. And it always began with this quote. Dear Terrible Tommy O'Connor, if you are still alive, please contact me so I can quit writing these columns. Oh my God. Damn. Were they all different columns outside from yeah, that? Yeah, it started the same, but I guess it's just every year he thinks about I'm Terrible Tommy. It. I think, I don't know if he's still alive writing them. I think the last one I saw was 1996, which is a yeah. long, long, long time yeah Uh, to do that the
0: newspaper he was writing them in might not be alive anymore you know yeah
1: that's that that too (laughs) or maybe
2: he just ran out of fucking things to say that's so much
1: (laughs) yeah
0: that's
1: um but yeah that's just the story of terrible tommy and how he disappeared and Who knows what happened to him? A lot of people think that um, he might have just been a dumbass and died pretty quickly after that crash. Uh, He slid off the road and kind of escaped from um, like he was just hammered and probably wandered into a river and froze to death. And that's why you never saw or heard of him again. So,
0: yeah. It is not hard. It's not hard to die in Chicago.
1: It gets cold. From it, what I there's hear. There's a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it gets cold. It gets hot. It gets murdery. It gets mm-hmm. starvy. It's, mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, another <clears throat> fun little tidbit is that the precinct, the like one jail or a uh, police station in that, bloody maxwell area was i think it was precinct 22 and it's now a historic building but it was if you ever watched hill street blues that Mm -hmm. is the front the front of that building is what they use for the credits and opening of hill street blues so Uh,
0: if you're in chicago
1: I don't know how the Wall yeah. Street Blues song goes. I keep thinking Law and Order. Boom Me too. Blum, 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 it's very similar. similar. I
0: think they were written by the same guy. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're both Mike Post songs. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here we go. Mike Post. You hear uh, that? No, not at all. Oh.
1: <laughs> Just look around. <laughs> is it the angel? Where's the sound? Oh,
0: the oh it's because my—it's in my it's headphones. headphones.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, let me
0: tell you this: what I'm listening to is smooth as fuck.
1: Hell yeah! yeah. Oh god, she's so in. I wish it. you guys were in on this. I wish I was too. Maybe you can cut it in, and we'll pretend like we're listening to it. No.
0: Do you want to...
1: Because right now to me, nope. it sounds like this. you can call me Al. Well,
0: uh, I was like, cup if cup you can call me Al, was like slowed down, and more like you can call me Aloysius.
1: <laughs> That's what Al's out. short for.
0: <laughs> it's true. isn't It, it could
1: be. Uh, sure. Alan, Albert is what
0: I was thinking. About uh... Alfred? hmm. hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan? Oh.
1: See, mm-hmm. Aloysius, though, that's your first thought. <laughs> I love it. It's perfect.
0: A- Alfredo? Mm. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> thanks for listening to our, um, <laughs> al, 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 our ending. Al'spresso. Yeah, al, Al'spresso.
0: hmm. Type guys we're, all fine. we're I, all fine I like you this is fun <gasps> oh, yeah I'm so hungry mm. I haven't eaten dinner that episode lasted one large water burger soda. i
1: I'm jealous I'm gonna go down a diet coke that one's probably good chuck yeah.
0: chuck
1: mm. chuck 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 <laughs> chuck chuck cool alright All right. All right. See you next time